Welcome to episode 31 of the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. And it seems to be a theme right now. This is the second time in three episodes that we're looking at movie musicals. I'm uh, Jason Dubray, the host. And my guest is a longtime friend, first time guest on the show, Christy Elliott. And one thing I know about Christy is that she loves musicals. Uh, and so hopefully I don't get too negative for her in in this show uh we've been talking about this one for a while the last episode of musicals i did with ali peters was important musicals as far as the history of cinema that kind of thing and now we're this is serious musicals in the sense that each of these deals with serious material in some way or violence holocaust french revolution that kind of thing and some of them are well they are all in some way very beloved and famous musicals what was interesting to me preparing for this show is uh, and i said in the in the last show that sometimes movie musicals are not as effective as going to the theater and seeing a live musical i mean both are a bit of an experience a bit of a spectacle but there's there's something that sometimes is a little bit lost with certain movie musicals and I haven't seen all of these productions live but I have seen most of them and I would say on the whole seeing them live and with their original Broadway script was more satisfying than watching the movie versions even though some of these are classics and we have some best picture winners and best picture nominees that's kind of where I'm starting off I might sound like a little bit of a negative Nancy as we go through these uh, the other thing I want to say is we were talking about the show for a long time so there has been a bit of time between uh, the viewing of a lot of these movies so hopefully uh, between the two of us we can sort of piece it together and uh, knock off the rust as far as the, the amount of time between viewings for, for a couple of these but welcome to all of these movies more than once so hopefully I remember them all and I have seen all of them live as musicals as well actually that's not true I never have seen Into the Woods but I was in it so I count oh. that as <laughs> sort of having seen it I, I feel like it counts because okay. when you're working with it, it's a totally different perspective. And, and that's the case with one of these for sure, where I believe it or not, I've never seen, at least I don't remember seeing production of The Sound of Music. Like, <laughs> In theater, like as as theater, oh. I directed the sound of music. So yeah, 
I saw it at Persephone. I think that might have been, and then, yeah, high school versions of it, but I saw it at Persephone. I think that was my only other version of that one. But Cabaret. I, no, no, okay, I'm lying. Yeah, I think I did see that one. Okay. Yes, that was a few years ago, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, I I, I, I did see that version. Yeah, so I, I'm lying. I know we've both seen Cabaret in New York. <laughs> but we, yeah, I've seen Cabaret several times, and uh, of course, uh, we—that's the one that we collaborated on for a high school production. I when still they can't believe we got away with doing that. <laughs> they, they, well, they told us we—it was just one of those things where the the stars aligned. But I've been told nobody can put on Cabaret in a public high school, and I always like that challenge. And I, I really like how it turned out on the whole. I mean, yeah, you know, I did too. That was interesting because our conversations about musicals have always been, you know, at, at the start were about how much you didn't like them and how much I did. And then <laughs> we had to find one that the two of us could agree on to put on. And I remember having lots of heated conversations in the hallways and the we students were like, I don't think we're going to get a musical this year because Miss Elliot and Mr. Dubray are fighting over the musical. Yeah. <laughs> We're not fighting. We're having really good conversations about these musicals. But yeah, yeah well, we I think, you know, I get, looking back on it, I, I, I kind of, I think I was pretty young in my teaching career and pretty passionate about what, you know, what's worthy and what isn't and all that. And I hopefully mellowed over the years a little bit in that way and, you know, and can can, can work work with things. But, but yeah, it just seemed like you're... You know, you suggest one, I'd be like, I don't want to do that. I'd suggest one, you're like, we, we can't do that. That's completely, you know. Uh, and I don't know, we met, managed to magically. Uh, <laughs> we wanted to do Chicago was what we really wanted. Mm -hmm. And then we couldn't. And then it was like, I don't remember which one of us suggested it, but it was like, yeah, okay. And we were like, okay, done. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, I, we, we said it and I was like, oh, you, like you'd be willing to go with Cabaret. And then, yeah, I said, well, there we go. Let's, let's see what we can do here. Because <laughs> yeah. I had, I, again, it's, perhaps insecurity because I, and I said in the show with, with Allie that, you know, when I'm, I've directed musicals, but I really don't have any musical talent. I mean, I can sing. I don't know if I should sing. I heavily rely on the music department and the collaborators to, to make something like that. And and so I think if I feel that I don't have a strong enough vision for a particular musical, then it, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. To, yeah. to get there and to, to work with it as much as you have to live with the show. And Cabaret is one that I just have never gone tired of. But it is interesting <laughs> as we look at these movies because the movies are quite different from, from the Broadway musicals. Yeah. And actually, it's it's funny. One, one of the ones that I saw live, for some reason, I actually, surprisingly, I'm now at a point where I prefer the movie. And then there's some other ones where I'm yeah. really, really hard on, on the movie despite all of the fame and success it has because I'm fairly attached to the original Broadway version. So yeah, I should mention, I, I mean, I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of swearing. I always do a swearing and of course a spoilers warning more. So if you haven't seen some of these musicals, some of them are pretty old, but at the same time, if you haven't, please. The spoiler alert no. on the music, the Nazis come. Like if you haven't seen yeah. that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. But there's a few others that are maybe less known, I guess. Yeah. Okay. And so I just always like to give a spoiler warning in case there's somebody that's, that doesn't want to know the end or they may be a little bit younger and haven't seen some of these before. But the, the it's five movies, actually, not not the normal six that we're going to be going over. And then 50 points we will each have at the end to uh, distribute among these and see which has to leave my movie collection. We're going in chronological order. And we're going to be starting off with West Side Story, uh, winner of 10. 
10 Academy Awards. Then we're going to take a look at a, it won Best Picture. We're going to look at another 1960s movie that won Best Picture. It was a good decade for musicals winning Best Picture. because Well, it, all it, of it, these. My Fair Lady, Oliver, like there were, there were a whole bunch of them that, that decade that did really well. Sound all of the ones we're talking about today were nominated for Best Picture. Or in the case of one of them, it was nominated for uh, Best Musical on Broadway. Yeah, we have one that's going to be a little bit different than the rest. We'll get to in a moment here. But West Side Story, then a famous Sound of Music, which I have I have directed that one. And then we're going to take a look at uh, Cabaret, uh, directed by Bob Fosse. So, so we were into the 1970s. Then we leap ahead to the 1980s. So there, there is a Disney-produced Into the Woods movie. But what we're actually going to be reviewing is a filmed performance with the original Broadway cast of Into the Woods from the late 1980s. So this is not the Meryl Streep playing the witch uh, Into the Woods, but Bernadette Peters, who's better, <laughs> from the original cast. And we're going to end off, we're going to jump a few decades <laughs> to 2012 with Les Miserables. There have been a million versions, but this one is very much based on the, the musical, very, very successful musical from the 1980s. And was actually, there's. I think it's interesting how it was shot, and especially the musical numbers were in contrast to some of the things I'm going to bring up as being a little bit critical, and I brought up as kind of criticisms in the previous show about how they've approached the music for, for movie musicals. Anything else that you'd like to say? before we uh, get started? No, I think we're ready to roll. Unlike other classics, West Side Story grows younger. Are 
unlike other classics, West Side Story grows younger. It's rare that a movie that has two directors wins best director and best picture, but that was very much the case with West Side Story. The film version of it was directed by uh, Jerome Robbins and Robert Wise. And Jerome Robbins was a very famous choreographer. And I think he was kind of brought in to shoot kind of those scenes, the musical scenes and the choreography scenes. And then Robert Wise, very established filmmaker, was brought in for the acting scene. So not unlike our collaboration in some ways, you know, I think you and, and we had a choreographer in there too yeah. as well. What happened was Jerome Robbins had never directed uh, a movie before, and he was taking take after take after take, and he was delaying the production so much that it was going massively over budget. So he actually in the in middle of shooting got fired, oh. and then. Robert Wise had to take over not only like the acting scenes, but he also had to take over and finish up some of the the musical numbers there. Either way, uh, despite all that tension, like they both ended up with an Oscar for best director for this one. And it's a story of basically it's a, a musical version of Romeo and Juliet, but set in New York City, somewhat in the kind of the 1950s. And it's about the Puerto Rican gang and then uh, an American gang, essentially set in the Bronx and how what happens when a Puerto Rican girl falls in love with this man who's coming on the other side of the tracks and like the interracial thing. Apparently this was originally, they were going to have it be Catholics and Jews. Oh. But then there was some uh, resistance to that. So then they went... Uh, also, uh, the number of Puerto Rican, the P- Puerto Rican population increased massively in New York City at the time. So they, they went with that idea. I've always really, I, I haven't put on West Side Story. I had tried to like push for it, but it, it's a pretty tough show to put on. I know some high schools have done it. It's, it's one of the ones that I've been on my list to direct at some point in my life. I don't know if it'll ever happen. The orchestration is 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 so hard, you know, uh, Leonard Bernstein. And also the singing's difficult. It is Stephen Sondheim, early Stephen Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim has written some of the most challenging music yeah. for music yeah. And especially like the range of the men um, singing tonight. It's just incredibly difficult. And so finding, you know, like if you go to a high school and just trying to find enough guys that can sing and dance as well as you need them to, to do the show is really hard. So it's going to be more of a community kind of piece, but also mm-hmm. casting, like you can't just cast a bunch of white kids and color them up. That's like, <laughs> you just can't do that. No, so no. you've got to find um, people that, you know, you've got to cast responsibly. So you need to be able to represent well. And so it's the same kind of issue with trying to cast Hairspray in Saskatoon. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. 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 I mean, kids love that. They always request it, but they don't think it through. But I don't know if they could ignore an entire section of that story, but it's a little bit off topic. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it, it, they had no such issues with this idea, of course, in the early 60s. And, and they, they did cast some Caucasian actors as Puerto Ricans, okay. which would, of course, never happen now. And at the time that we we're recording this, uh, there was supposed to be a Sp- Steven Spielberg directed remake. Tony Kirshner, the great playwright, is a has adapted it as well. 
So there's going to be a new version of West Side Story popping up sometime this calendar year. It was delayed by by COVID. They didn't want to release it through just kind of streaming services. Yeah. They didn't have a, a theatrical release for this uh, movie. So, And I believe Lin-Manuel Miranda was involved in this in rewriting some of the lyrics into Portuguese for those uh, for some of those songs. So I think some of the lyrics have changed now. And I'm pretty sure it was him that uh, was involved with that. So that is something I'm looking forward to this year. There are connections. So Sondheim, of course, with Into the Woods, which we'll talk about later. And this is the first two movies that we're talking about is essentially similar teams made West Side Story and The Sound of Music. Robert Wise directed both of them. Ernest Lehman did the screenplay for both as as well. There were, of course, differences in, in who did the music, uh, kind of based on the original shows. So I've, I have, I've watched this one several times, but... It was really funny this last time I watched it because I was excited. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a no-brainer. This is going to be one of my top for sure. I was, I, I had a lot more problems with it this time. I don't like the opening number. I think it's kind of stupid. This, the, how they portray the gang ri- rivalry because there are scenes which where there are some serious consequences which are quite effective. But like having the the snap and dance battles and all of that. Uh, and I I don't know why I haven't m- minded it before, but this time. I was just kind of like, let's let's get on to the story. Let's move it along. And I just found several of the numbers to be unnecessary. There are some that are very necessary, and there's some that I just I, I love the music, and I I can get by because I love the song. But yeah, I, I think there's a lot of this side business with the. Uh, the gangs being goofy and the officer, officer crunky thing, which I mean, some people love that song. I don't. So I, I am kind of in a bit of a mixed position here. I love the acting in it. When I first saw it, not knowing what is going to be a a, re, uh, a recurring theme throughout this show, that as a regular practice, they would just hire other singers to sing. And it would always be ahead of when they actually filmed it. And they would replace the voices of the actors with that. I, I, I get it in some ways because the music is very tough in this show and is very tough in, in some of the other ones we're going to talk about. But I think they should be hiring the people who can act and dance and sing. So all that said, I, I really love Natalie Wood's performance in this movie, but I, I just, this time I was so in my head, just being distracted by that, that is not her voice. She does her best to try to make it look like she's singing. Mm-hmm. She could sing, but there are certain ranges that Mar- that Maria hits that are just, were not in her range as well. And I guess, uh, as I understand it, of the leads, there was only really Bernardo, uh, played by uh, George Chikaris. I think he was the only one who was allowed to to have his own voice for singing because he didn't have to sing a whole lot in the show. But everybody else, they were up, all up for... Wood was up for... She actually won Best Actress for another movie that she did the same year. But the others were nominated, but it wasn't their singing. Even Rita Moreno, who's a wonderful dancer and terrific Broadway star and actor, her voice was also not included in the film. She has some just absolutely wonderful scenes together, particularly the scenes with Natalie Wood towards the end of, of the picture. So I am going to be a bit mixed here, but I want to say that I, I'm hoping that it was just maybe it was a bad day or <laughs> I was just not in the right frame of mind for this, or maybe I haven't had to watch it and, and, and look at it deeply for to critique it like this before, but I'm 
a bit more in the middle with West Side Story than I would like to be because this is this is a classic and it is uh, it's the only movie to ever win 10 exactly 10 Academy Awards and it's kind of in this there's this big tie for the most ever won so it's kind of like second for the most Oscars ever won so it was a very very successful from awards perspective film at that time and there's no doubt there are moments like in, in some of these songs which are just magical and 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 so beautifully shot but then there was all of this other stuff where I'm like let's let's keep the story moving forward let's not stop and have a show tune so <laughs> My, yeah, I guess I've seen the show a few times on Broadway. I also have seen it on the big screen. And the first time I think I ever watched it was just on a VHS tape. And I, I didn't love it the first time. But when it came to, it came to the movie theater, just as one of those, like, you know, let's throw back one of these old movies. And I took one of my kids to it. And I, I wouldn't say I fell in love with the show at that point, but I had a really different appreciation for it at that time. Um, seeing it on the big screen and really getting to be up close with the characters, that really changed things for me. And getting to see the choreography like full out on the big screen, seeing it done in Prince Albert um, as one of their summer stock shows, um, seeing it when it came to Saskatoon a few times. And so the, the songs have sort of stuck with me and they've been so iconic. A lot of these shows, you know, like you can forget the music in some of these musicals, but with West Side Story, there are songs that have stayed with us and have become really important in the music theater genre. And I know you don't like the opening number, but I love it. And it's something mm -hmm. that if you say West Side Story, everybody's like, yeah, the snaps, you know, and that's, yeah. that's what people think of first when they think of West Side Story. And I think it was, it just felt so different, you know, to have gangs in a musical and it, it was fun in that way. And it was daring. Some of it gets a little bit long at times, but it, the singing is like, because it's on time, the singing is, is wonderful. I agree with your point about like recasting the singers and like Disney had started to do that with um, going into Aladdin when they were doing their musicals and Jasmine was sung by someone else. And it's like, yeah. what? It's not Jasmine anymore. And yeah. so, yeah, like I, I really appreciate some of the newer musicals that even though maybe they're not the best singer, it's okay because it's still them and it's still their character. But yeah, like they do need to cast people that can do the part. Like, and I get, I get with stunting and things like that. Like I can get over a stunt double. I'm okay with that. But in terms of singing, like it's a musical. So you need to put the person that's singing on stage because how they are emoting is coming through the song. And that needs to come through the actor as well. Uh, and you're not going to get that through lip syncing. So I think, I think that is important. This is a really good classic iconic musical, but I am looking forward to the new one because I think yeah. the new one will reach the new generation who, if they looked at the old one, are going to go like, oh, uh, not really interested in this. But <laughs> I showed it once when uh, teaching Romeo and Juliet and the kids looked at me like I had, was from Mars or something. <laughs> <laughs> what does this have to do with Romeo and Juliet? Remember the uh... first scene? That's the first scene is happening right now. They're just snapping and dancing as opposed to having a realistic violent battle. So yeah. So I I don't know. I think it's just going to freshen it up and uh, and bring it out for a new a new audience, a new generation. But um, I do appreciate this and appreciate it for its time and what it was doing with that time and just the yeah, like having that dancing in there and um, and that really hard music being represented is is great. Even though we didn't get to see the singers, I'll say some nice things because they came off pretty harsh. I guess 
but I, this is, and I've been having this with a lot of reviews lately where I'm sounding like I want to recommend it, but I, I am hesitating just because of there's something where I'm thinking about too much or it's not held back, but there's some, it doesn't matter how many times I watch it. There are some things that are just magical. So yeah. when, you know, Maria, the Puerto Rican girl and Tony, the American boy meet each other at this dance and it's such a unique effect. I, I, like it works, even though it's an old effect or whatever, but it's practical where suddenly everybody else disappears and it's just the two of them dancing and the music and, and, and seeing everything around there is just brilliant. That's almost to me where the movie gets going. I, I still like as corny as it is that Maria song. And he's I like, I feel pretty. That one. Oh no. No, no. no. <laughs> I don't even mind that one. I like the song. Like that one's a silly number too, but somehow yeah. in her acting, even though she was lip syncing, Natalie Wood makes that that whole bit work really yeah. well. It's also well edited and well put together, <laughs> well shot. But no, when Maria, I just met a girl named Maria, and he's yeah. the streets of New York are empty for some reason, I guess. But then he's he's singing this out. I can get a get by with that and the america song i want to live in america yeah so well choreographed the dancing's great uh, again uh rita moreno's her her energy and her performance while it's a big ensemble dance number really really make it work but it was, it was a nice play with bernardo i, I don't know if it, he was he won, they both won oscars those two supporting actor and supporting actress i'm not as sure about whether he deserved his or not but i mean he, he did, <laughs> i'd have to see who he was up against richard bamer is fine as tony i mean you end up caring about the love story and i i like the tragic conclusion here probably more than i like in romeo and juliet i i have problems with romeo and juliet as a play and I, I actually think, yeah, that that's a much more suitable and better ending. Plus this whole questioning of like, is all this violence and this gang stuff yeah. worthwhile? They're, they're, you're left kind of in a, a really serious point of view. And that's why I find the, the snapping and the silliness so unnecessary because they are actually sending a serious message with this this musical. It's not just fluff. The but other could one... that not be part of like the journey of the show? You know, like it's starting a little bit later and yeah, they have these gangs and they're being kind of silly and territorial. But then the mm -hmm. violence just escalates and builds and escalates yes. until we get the dramatic conclusion. So it, it, I, yeah. I think it's necessary. Well, what I think it's there for is so that we end up really liking these characters on both sides of, yeah, of the, the dispute. Game. And so yeah. then we'll care about them a little bit more as they either get killed or they get injured. And it's a little bit of comic relief because this isn't Schindler's list we're putting on. I mean, it's, it yeah. is in a musical, it is supposed to have some levity as well as the, the serious part. So I understand why it's there. It's just not my favorite thing. <laughs> my favorite scene is, and then we're in spoiler territory, but uh, Bernardo has been killed by Tony and we have Anita and Maria and that realization happens. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're seen together and their encounter and again this is, breaks my heart that the music is so strong and it's neither of their voices that are involved here because yeah. the intensity of their acting is so good in that scene that's my favorite moment because it's such a difficult position because obviously Anita is upset that the love of her life has been killed but she also loves Maria and she wants Maria to be happy but 
she also doesn't want Maria to be with the person who's killed her boyfriend. And it's them going back and forth. It's just a powerful moment in the show, uh, in, in the movie version. I don't, I'm sure it's powerful on stage as well. So those are the things I really, really like about it and I, I hang on to. And that's why, you know, points wise, I'm not ripping this one completely apart, but I was surprised because I, I've always kind of enjoyed this in previous viewings way more than I did this time. So maybe I was thinking a little bit too much. <laughs> well, and the balcony scene. I mean, that love scene between Tony and Maria is beautiful too. So that's another important yeah. part of the show <laughs> that's well done. Anything else you'd like to say about West Side Story? I'm just really looking forward to the new one and seeing mm -hmm. how, yeah, like how these themes and this storyline is still really valid today. So I am, I am looking forward to that and having it um, come alive again. I think it's going to be fun. It feels feel strange to think of a remake trying to improve upon a classic musical that won 10 Academy Awards, but I, I think now in 2021, there are some things that could, can be improved and I'm, I'm sure it's going to work out well. I know there have been Spanish language versions in, in New York of West Side Story that have done very well as, as revivals. And I think that's likely what, what Spielberg and, and the team are doing. And I think, you know, I'm excited to see what, what it's going to turn into. I don't want to have my hopes too high for it because <laughs> when that happens, I get there's nowhere to go but down. I think this is a remake that's actually warranted. But yeah, I wouldn't dissuade people from seeing uh, the 1960s West Side Story. It's a classic. Sound your signals, you will step forward and give your names. You, Fraulein, will listen carefully, learn their signals so you can call them when you want them. The celebrated play that delighted the world. Actually photographed amidst the wondrous beauties of Salzburg, Austria. With the performance of a lifetime by the screen's brightest star, Julie Andrews, in the glorious role of Maria. How do you solve a problem like Maria? How do you catch a cloud and pin it down? How do you find a word that means Maria? A flippity-jibbit-tall-will-o'-the-wisp. A cloud. Maria makes me laugh. <laughs> Maria, who entered the strange new world of Captain Von Trapp and captivated his seven children with a magical spell of song. Girls in white dresses with blue satin sashes, snowflakes that stay on my nose and eyelashes, silver white winters that melt into springs. These are a few of my favorite things. When the door by... Fräulein, did I not tell you that bedtime is strictly to be observed in this house? Yeah, with the, with the... You did, sir. And do you or do you not have difficulty remembering such simple instructions? Only during thunderstorms, sir. Here, two new numbers specially written for the picture by Richard Rogers, plus Rogers and Hammerstein's immortal songs. Doe, a deer, a female deer, Ray, a drop of golden sun, Me, a name I call myself, 
far, a long, long way to run. I am 16, going on 17. I know that I'm naive. Oh, please, Captain, love them, love them all. I don't care to hear anything further from you I about my children. I am finished yet, Oh, Captain. yes, you are. You will pack your things this minute and return to the Abbey. Captain Von Trapp, are you in love with him? I don't know. I don't know. I... Well, the Baroness said I was. She said that he was in love with me, but I didn't want to believe it. You're far away. Where are you? In a world that's disappearing, I'm afraid. Is there any way I can bring you back to the world I'm in? I love you. Well, what do you think of the sound of mucus? I mean, the sound of music. <laughs> Jason! <laughs> Well, I think you already know that I love the sound of music. Yeah. <laughs> the sound yeah. of music was the musical it's, that made me Sound of music, Mucus was Christopher Plummer's pet name for the show. If you haven't seen The Sound of Music, you're probably pretty young, maybe. Most people have seen this and maybe seen it several times. But a woman named Maria leaves the convent to look after some children in a home in Austria. Uh, she's the governess to the Von Trapp children. And their father, Captain Von Trapp, is kind of a little bit of a cold and distant father who operates the family like it's uh, some sort of a military operation. And they've had this habit of, of driving governesses away. If this sounds a little bit familiar, it is because in my last musical show I reviewed Mary Poppins, also starring Julie Andrews, where she you know, she got uh, Mary Poppins because Walt Disney and others had seen her on Broadway and wanted her no matter what, even though she hadn't been in a film. She was passed over for My Fair Lady, ended up winning the Academy Award for Mary Poppins. And then based on her Broadway stuff, but also like some early screenings of Mary Poppins, they wanted her for the same music. She actually did in this unfair criticism or not, I'm glad to hear that she hesitated to take on this role because she thought it was a little bit too similar to Mary Poppins because it kind of is. We have a group of children who are driving governesses or nannies away and then she comes in and she has this, this magic to win them over. I would say in Mary Poppins, she wins over the children very, very fast. This one, she does win them over faster than I think would be realistic in life, but still there is some hesitation and particularly with Liesl, the oldest who doesn't really want, at 16 years old, want uh, a governess to kind of babysit her or look after her. So it may be an extra scene or two that it takes before she wins over these children. But again, these are kind of a, a fantasy, but this is a, a fantasy in many ways where it's based on a true story, greatly, greatly altered for the big screen. The children's names are not the children's names of the actual Von Trapp children. <laughs> Spoilers for the end, when they escape the Third Reich and they leave Austria, or escape from Austria, they don't walk up a mountain into Switzerland. They actually, in reality, boarded a train and they went to Italy, and yet it's a lot more dramatic and it's a great kind of final song and final shot for the musical and for the movie. And the feedback from the actual Von Trapp children is that Maria Von, Von Trapp, spoilers, she actually, you know, marries him. <laughs> 
again, spoiling a movie that's uh, moving close to 60 years old, but they say that she she was a lot less pleasant than she's portrayed in the movie, and Captain Von Trapp was a lot more loving than he's portrayed in the movie. They were actually a little bit more upset at the portrayal of Captain Von Trapp, but that, again, that goes back to the Broadway musical. I directed this, and as I said, I always have to have a little bit of a vision or an angle to go with this, and so a lot of the movie, and people would say it's about Julie Andrews and the Maria character and her journey, I focused my attention and my vision a bit more on Captain Von Trapp because nothing happens in the story if he doesn't end up changing his mind. He makes kind of the key decisions in many ways is almost the central character. But I think because Julie Andrews was a lot more pleasant in connection to this film that maybe that's why it became about her a little bit more. I like a lot of what Christopher Plummer does too. And I think that the two of them worked well together. I think he maybe softened on this movie by the end of his life. And unfortunately he recently died, but he, he started to joke around about it. Whereas at the time he was not having a good time with this show. I mean, the rumors are he was, he was drunk and overeating through the whole thing and questioned the songs. He, he thought the whole thing was silly. He apparently wasn't crazy about Julie Andrews, that she was a little bit too skin like hit by a, what was his description? Hit by a, a Valentine's card every day or something like that. He was he was kind of in a, a, a different place uh, at that time in his life. All that say, I really like his performance, but it still annoys me the fact that they did some sort of strange mix of his voice and another actor's voice for uh, Edelweiss and for some of his singing. Because he worked really hard. He, he could sing. He learned how to play the guitar. They actually both did. Julie Andrews didn't know how to play the guitar either. They both learned for the movie. And still they went and they like changed the dubbing of it. I, I guess it maybe wasn't quite what they were looking for. And I think that annoyed Plummer too, because he had kind of a tough shoot. Maybe it was a bit arrogant, you know, the age he, or the time he was at. He was annoyed with them for years too, because it wasn't his voice singing the songs. All that negativity out of the way there. I, I can't say that I've, I love the sound of music as much as everybody else in the free world does, uh, except for like, I guess, Pauline Kael, the movie critic from the New York Times and Christopher Plummer himself. But I like it and I can get by a lot of stuff. But again, kind of like when we're talking about it'll be a theme throughout the show. When it comes to the more serious stuff, to me, the last part of the movie and the last part of the show where there's real danger for the Von Trapp family and they're standing up and like the ripping of that flag, that very famous scene with Plummer. I, I really like all of that. Maria's story is not, it, it's it's not like when I was complaining about like the, the goofy side bits or whatever. It's all necessary. And I don't think there, there are a couple songs that I could maybe, if I'm being extra critical, could do without, but they don't seem to stop the pace or the energy of the story or the movie for me. So I think somewhere deep down in this cynical heart of mine, I really do love the sound of music, but I still hesitate. I think there was there's a lot of stuff that could be trimmed out of it and you would still get a pretty entertaining movie and musical. Well, let's start off with that so that we could have something to argue about. <laughs> it is called The Sound of Music. So I I mean, really, as much as, you know, the Nazis are an important part of this, it's really about how music can overcome a lot of things and music can break.
bring things together. And that is another one of the really big themes of this show. And with starting with Maria out on the mountaintop and just showing like that's her way to connect with the world, connect with God, like music is her life and is what is important to her. So I think the music in this show is really special and it it is so well known by everyone and it is so well loved. This is the musical that made me a fan of musicals. So I have a real attachment to this one. I didn't really know anything about musicals and I was at my grandma's house for Christmas and my cousin who also loves music is a couple of years younger than me and she's like oh the sound of music is on tv and I was like what and she's like yeah let's watch it I'm like okay so I sat down with my cousin to watch the sound of music for the very first time and I was just blown away that music could be such a big part of a show like this and it just it really did sweep me away now the funny part about this is that for many years I thought the movie ended with the wedding because that's when my cousin turned the movie off and she told me yes. that was the end of the show and <laughs> so yeah Maria and Captain Von Trapp have this lovely wedding and they drive off on their honeymoon and so for me it was the love story of Captain Von Trapp and Maria and I was a little bit surprised to find out there was more to the movie than that when I got into high school I was part of band I was part of choir but they were doing these big musicals at the school I don't think they did one when I was in grade nine but they were doing the sound of music in grade 10 and all my friends were like the sound of music they're doing the sound of music and I'm like okay I, you know and I, I can't remember if I had actually seen the movie at that point or not but it, it it still wasn't really part of me yet so I went and volunteered to be in the orchestra and I was but just being that was the first musical I was ever part of as playing the second trombone part but being a part of even the orchestra was such a magical experience for me and then I, I really did fall in love with it and I have watched The Sound of Music many 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 times I had taped it on the VHS off TV and so I always thought their costumes were a different color and then when I got it on DVD I can't remember if they're green and I thought they were blue anyway they're a sailor uniform so I just remember some of the colors changing because now it wasn't just you know crappy VHS tape but I do actually and I don't know if it's because I saw the movie first but I do prefer the movie to the musical in this situation not usually is that the case but I think what they're able to do with the musical in terms of moving the scenery around a little bit I love the dancing through Salzburg parts and I've been to Salzburg and I've seen the fountain and it's just amazing and, and Austria has a close place in my heart now partly through this but that part I do love the musical has songs in a different kind of order and a different purpose for some of them and yeah. so it it sort of changed the way I looked at things there was a song that I heard in the musical for the first time though that I hadn't heard before perhaps I had a wicked childhood that one because it's not in the tv version of the musical mm -hmm. so I didn't know about that song and when yeah. I heard it, I was like oh I really like this song I wish they'd had it in, in the movie but it was and then the I have confidence song I think wasn't in the actual musical as well yeah. and that's a great song it is it's a yeah that's wonderful I yeah I, I remember when we were thinking about putting on sound of music I was looking for that song I was, <laughs> Where is here, it? And I was so disappointed in that and I just, I don't know. I think I like the way the story transpires in the, in the movie better. Because um, she comes in and all of a sudden they're singing uh, Lonely Goat Herd when they've just met in the musical. Whereas in the movie that comes along later in that puppet show. Just like what they could do. And I know it's totally fake. Like you're not putting on a puppet show with marionettes with these kids. But you could imagine you could. 
and it's just you know and climbing up the window and singing you know singing my favorite things in the bed and where Liesl kind of goes okay yeah I could use a friend this is actually a good thing so the dresses and the ball gowns and it's lavish and it's wonderful and it is held up so well don't you dare remake Sound of Music because there's yes. no way people would ever stand for that it's like remaking well, the Wizard of Oz they did though so sorry they did a TV they did a live TV Sound of Music where Carrie Underwood played Maria Von Trapp so yeah it did happen but I, I, I'm not sure how, how it was I mean yeah this is one that doesn't need to be remade because like with West Side Story like I always found the movie like lighting wise to be really dark whereas Sound of Music isn't it doesn't feel yeah. like it's old filming styles it feels still fresh and yeah and you hate the Baroness and you love that's, my that's an issue I have though yeah, oh. you hate the Baroness but she's a villain five seconds into like we see her and we're like oh, okay we hate her she has no like she is, dare I say, maybe one one dimension in the film. Yeah, she has a little bit more to do in the musical. So she was a little bit more like I. Again, I I cast some pretty good people. I think you know at the high school level yeah. to play that role that kind of found their way like full characters in three dimensions. But in this case, like the actor they chose, and uh, I don't know, maybe she's a really nice person. Reality, but uh, immediately we know that we're we're supposed to hate her, and there's there's no colors, there's no layers to her, and even like this in the musical, there's a connection to the agent who wants to take the Von Trapp children, and mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of missing here so that's one of my problems with the movie is is her portrayal I, I think it's kind of a limited type of stock character just for the convenience of the plot but yeah but you can have one of those <laughs> But she's she's supposed to be like one of the the few major. I mean, they're the kids. There's enough uh, females in there, but she's kind of one of the few adult female characters in the show. I mean, a lot of like the mother superior and that they have some good scenes here and there. But uh, I don't know. I, it it reminded me kind of like of a Disney stepmother. Yeah. Where you know just just immediately like she's she's awful and she's out for herself or whatever and everything about that's very familiar and predictable. So, but I I, I agree with you. There's a song. In honest to goodness, I now I have this theory that there's kind of the amateur script for the sound of music that they will send to high schools, oh. and then they would give to community theaters or professional or Persephone okay. theater. Like, but there, there's this song, and it's the song where Captain Von Trapp and Maria fall in love, and it is the most dreary song. I can't even remember what it's called, but no matter what we did, we had we we had pretty strong, in my opinion, student actors in that role, but we could not get the orchestration was like, it sounded like sort of this dreary number, but it's supposed to be like, oh, we didn't realize that we had fallen in love with each other. It's not in this version of it. And like that alone makes the movie better. <laughs> Confidence, uh, again, is a, a better, I believe, original song for the movie version. Even though it, like, it's not all that necessary, but it says something about Maria's character and how she's feeling when she's approaching the house. Uh, apparently, Julie Andrews tripped at one point as she was walking up, which was an, a total accident. But Robert Wise is a very good director. He kept it because it kind of was a happy accident because it shows the nervousness that she has when she's walking up. So I do agree. I think when it comes to like the, the show pieces and the music and all of that, that the Sound of Music film version is better. I, 
I think with a big, big budget, it can be magical live as well, but not in not necessarily the same way. I think they, this no. is one where they, they maybe improved it. I could see how it could be pretty close with West Side Story. You, you could have an amazing experience watching the movie, but it could be more amazing live. I still think when, when you go in and you see a production of The Sound of Music, you'll, you might be really enjoy it, but then you'll be like, oh, I can't wait to go home and watch the movie again. Yeah. Because yeah, it exactly. reminds me of that. You know, the movie became so, so big in that way. Um, and I don't know, like, so Persephone is the most professional version of this I've seen. And I heard after that the actress, like we were at a matinee with my with my class, and the actress had the flu and was running off stage to throw up between scenes, and and that might have had a little bit to do with why uh, that that version of the musical didn't completely win me over. But you know, just like the Do Re Mi song, "Up on the Hill," when they're sitting in the grass with their picnic, and then through Salzburg and coming up the stairs, like you can't. No matter how big of a budget you have, you can't do that. And so, really, it is it is like the cinematography is magical too. So it just puts everything together. It's a pretty darn good musical. I don't think in the movie, and maybe it's because I have worked on the show, but with Ralph, I, I found Ralph didn't have enough time, screen time initially for us to like be really invested in his character. And like he's in the 16 going on 17 song and all that. But I think like the actor who played Liesl, uh, she's now died, I guess, but uh, she she did quite a good job. Uh, apparently she had this ma major injury. Like she fell, it, she went through the, the, the glass. Oh no! Actually, and, and she had this. She was okay except for this ankle or whatever. But they had to bandage her up, and and so most of that song she was in pain, and she did a, a wonderful job of it. But yeah. we, we don't get a lot of time with him before he's kind of turned. And I feel like that's maybe, and maybe it's just going through the production for me that that's why I feel like mm -hmm. in the musical he's a little bit more of a, a well-developed character too. We don't feel a lot like his transition is kind of abrupt, and you're like, um, what? What happened here? How did? he turn what's going on in his life yeah so i agree with that because during 16 going on 17 it's like oh she's got this guy how wonderful that song is amazing her dancing in the gazebo is lovely but then it's mm -hmm. like um yeah rolf what happened but i yeah. love the chance that that provides for liesel and maria to get together and have that lovely yeah. moment about just about growing up and what it's like to mm -hmm. get burned and it's mm -hmm. it's really cool yeah. <laughs> but i agree that in the movie they don't have a lot of development there but yeah, that kind of, you know, and I don't want to call it a love story because they criticize Romeo and Juliet as not being, people always call it a love story. It's not a love story. It's a teenage infatuation. But but they, yeah, I don't think, they, they didn't give that enough time, I guess, in the movie. But it's a three hour plus film as it is. So yeah. fair, fair enough there. Yeah, so I, I'm kind of a little bit in the middle on this. Maybe now, before I would have said West Side Story, I like more the movie version more than the sound of music it's now pretty close i might even say like the sound of music is yeah and in, indeed a notch better but i don't get excited to watch it as much as everybody else i talked to like somebody on my staff last year who said oh, it's part of i think christmas like must watch the sound of music there isn't anything overtly <laughs> christmas like about the sound of music it's just that's when it was on tv and that's it's when in, people could watch it yeah <laughs> every year it would be on television i guess that's yeah. that's part of the tradition and that's why and so and it looks you're right i mean the difference between it and vhs and it in the like a dvd or a blu-ray it, it's enormous difference there and so i it looks quite good and again i think this is a, this would be a good one to see on the big screen occasionally they'll have these sing-along versions i'm not sure i'm not sure i would enjoy a sing-along version I, because I, I it's it, that's more of a communal 
type yeah. of thing. I like to watch it just maybe after I've watched it in theaters, just watching the story itself. And I wouldn't mind if people are kind of singing along, but having the, the lyrics pop up and all that throughout that. And then after that, I would be happy to go to sit, sit through one of those because I'm sure it's fun. Because it's got to be, I just feel like it's a big screen movie. It, it's yeah. I'll probably appreciate it even more when it kind of like, you know, West Side Story or any of these, I think is better on the big screen because they were designed as these big Technicolor epics yeah. that the studios believed in and ultimately did very, very well. Anything else you want to say about the sound of music before we go on? No, it just has a special place in my heart and always will. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a little bit hard on Julie Andrews. I mean, this was an iconic role for her, but I... I, and I felt like she's better in Mary Poppins. And she won the Oscar for Mary Poppins. But they are different, but they do feel very, very similar. And I think Mary Poppins, the movie's sentimental, but Mary Poppins, the character herself, isn't that sentimental. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Maria Von Trapp, it, there is some sentimentality. Uh, and no matter what happened, it worked really well, that partnership with Christopher Plummer. And sure enough, like as they were doing the clips of his career, there would be him sort of singing Adel Vice, even though it wasn't his voice and in different clips from that but I, I'm kind of glad he softened on it a little bit too and there, there's a lot of a lot of behind the scenes shenanigans with the sound of music <laughs> involving him but also a lot of the kids too and I they had a heck of a time because the kids were growing and so then he had to do things about different height differences with the, the age that they were supposed to all be in there like this one kid had to go through torture to have his hair bleached so it was it blonde hair because he, he, oh. he had I always find that's uh, this almost the side stuff as interesting as the movie itself yeah yeah. but the side stuff wouldn't be interesting if the movie wasn't such a classic well there's some movies where the side stuff is much much better than the movie (laughs) i won't say that's completely the case here but yeah i would say again i don't have to convince people to check out the sound of music but if you haven't (laughs) seen it for some reason check it out form your own opinion and probably be more on the side of history on this one so (laughs) yeah i i don't think remaking it into a feature-length film is is a good idea this was Germany in the early 30s. Hello, stranger. Full of life. And love. Meine Damen und Herren, Mesdames et Messieurs, ladies und gentlemen, Fräulein, Sally Balls! This was Sally Bowles in the early 30s. I dash all day and I work late at the cabaret. Full of life. I love parties. Doesn't my body drive you wild with desire? And love. Oh, Brad. A special girl. I'm going to be a great film star. (laughs) That is a booze and sex. Don't get me first. On the brink of something fantastic. I mean, it would be funny, wouldn't it, if you asked me to become the next Baroness von Hoyne in Regensburg? And frightening. I'm Sally Bowles. I'm Brian Roberts. And I have this strange, mystical, daddish feeling about you. So you're moving right in, okay? Okay? Have you ever slept with a dwarf? Once, but it wasn't a lasting relationship. Do you sleep with girls or don't you? Sally, you don't ask questions like that. I do. Poor man. He tries to love me. I may have my tiny faults. God damn it, I'm gonna have a baby! 
Charlie is rather knowledgeable in these areas. Still to this day, the, the most magical theater experience of my life was in 1999, my first time in New York City. I, this was actually the second Broadway show that I saw, but both of the Broadway musicals I saw that time are the film versions we're reviewing in the show, oddly enough. But I ended up going to tickets and I got a really good deal there. And I was at floor level in Studio 54, mm-hmm. which had huge history unto itself. So I've seen it one of the tables in the Kit Kat Club for Cabaret, the 1998 revival starring Alan Cumming. I didn't get to see the late uh, Natasha Richardson, who had, they'd just gone through winning the Revival Tony Awards and being very successful. She had moved on. Jennifer Jason Lee was playing Sally Bowles in that uh, production, and she, she got really criticized for it, but I thought she did quite a good job. I, I was honestly blown away. It was the most I've kind of forgot that I'm sitting in the theater. It could have gone on forever, and I just would have been happy. And it successfully captured the contrast between Berlin before the Nazis took over and what happened during the Holocaust. And that particular production, directed by Sam Mendes, who's a very successful theater and film director, he's won an Academy Award, he's won Tony's, was it was just heartbreaking. And it was just the, the most into a show I've ever been. And still to this day, I think the greatest performance I've ever seen live is Alan Cumming as the MC. And so we talked about already that we put on cabaret and sometimes it's very very difficult for me to watch a movie version or see a subsequent production of something that I've directed because I'm thinking about the choices that I made but also a lot of the choices I made were inspired by this 1998 revival. The film version much celebrated it won eight Academy Awards which was actually more awards than The Godfather which won Best Picture that year so that's one of those Oscar trivia questions is what movie won more than The Godfather father in uh, 1972 it won eight and actually it's won the most academy awards of any film that didn't win best picture and it, it did of course very very well i think it was quite edgy for the time but my problem with it and probably even more because this is my second kind of time watching it you think i would have watched it several times but this is my second time watching the film is that it is absolutely nothing like <laughs> broadway production So because of that, even though I don't think the Broadway revival would have happened if it hadn't been for the movie, this doesn't feel like the cabaret that I know. And so I'm being super, and I will be super, super critical of it. But as I understand it, Bob Fosse was a little bit more, who directed it, the famous choreographer. He was a lot more interested in the short story that was about the actual person who was not named Sally Bowles, but the the story of her life. So this version of Cabaret is about Sally Bowles. And then, as I said, I have to have a vision for a show if I'm going to direct in particularly a musical. My experience was the MC being the key character here. And we see the life and the exuberance and the artistry and the freedom that the MC has in the opening number in Vilkemon and subsequent numbers in the Kit Kat Club. And we watch the spirit of this man destroyed every step of the way until we get to the very end of the show. So I focused on the MC more than I focused on Sally Bowles, who's a, a again, very important character. But the movie version, I think, is a lot more interested in Sally Bowles slash Liza Minnelli. I don't think Liza Minnelli was right for this particular role. She won the Oscar for it. It's her most famous role. I like Joel Grey, but again, this 
he doesn't have the amount of screen time slash stage time that Alan Cumming did. And I think Alan Cumming, and again, I haven't seen Joel Grey on stage playing this, so I can't compare those two in that way. But Alan Cumming, I think, did found some ways to improve the MC character and give more dimensions than we get from this performance. But Joel Grey won the Oscar. He beat out like three guys from the Godfather movie to do it. And that's fine, I guess. But for some reason, Sally in the musical is British. She's American in this one. Cliff was the name of the writer in the musical. He's now changed to a, a British gentleman named Brian. And uh, again, I'm not completely sure why. Uh, there's a whole subplot involving this uh, rich bisexual man who gets involved with both Brian and Sally, which is not really an element at all in the musical. And they cut several really charming, beautiful songs from the musical. And they do have them playing like on the radio in the background throughout the movie. They completely eliminate the the subplot which involves a Jewish grocer and the landlady who houses Cliff Bryan in this I'm going with Cliff because that's <laughs> the show Cliff and Sally that that whole subplot which I think was very very crucial to the entire theme of cabaret is not in this movie at all and what we're left with I guess is something that's completely separate so maybe it's unfair of me to review this based on it's like reviewing unfortunately I've caught myself doing this on the show a little bit when I really love a novel and I'm not as happy with the movie version when I reviewed John Carpenter's Christine I think that was a little bit of a factor in there too because it's such a personal musical to me I that's why I'm being really, really hard. So if I just maybe, if I had never seen all of that and I just watched Cabaret as it is, I might have been fine with it. But I, I don't know. I would have been kind of, and maybe it's the right way with the MC. I'd be like, like, what was the deal with that guy? Like, what was, what was going on there? Here's a plus for the movie. I would say I'm often critical of these random musical numbers that will pop up for no particular reason and kind of, you know, stop the momentum of the story. And this one, all of the performances happen on Kit Kat Club stage. So it is realistic. And I think Fosse was trying to go for a sort of a realistic type of angle on this, yet it's a little bit more of an expressionistic type of musical. So for a guy who was involved with the original and a couple people who were involved with the original, it was interesting they made such dramatic changes to this version. So that's my really long ramble. In other words, I again, I, I would totally understand why people love this and appreciate it, but I am not there yet because I'm too attached to the 1998 revival of Cabaret, and I probably always will be. And I guess Alan Cummings a little bit too old now, unfortunately. But if they had remade this into a movie with him as a UMC, I would have fully endorsed that remake because I don't always endorse these remakes. What are your thoughts? So my journey with Cabaret started with a sick day trying to watch this movie because I'd heard so much about it and not getting very far going, uh, what? And turning it off. I couldn't get into it. So then back in Prince Albert, when I was working with Broadway North, their one summer show, they were doing cabaret. And I'm like, well, I guess I better go because my student was playing the MC, And I didn't right, I really still didn't know anything about the show. And I walked into the show and he was more like Joel Grey-ish in terms of costuming, but mm -hmm. Alan Cumming-ish in the ending of it and how he progressed. Okay. And, and they did some really neat effects with some black and white imagery, like movie like film stuff like running through the background to really get the idea of like the concentration camp trains going at which really drew you into when the mc ultimately died at the end uh, no oh, but not in the movie by the way but you know yeah that's... but that was their interpretation yeah. i 
I think. But I left that night going, wow, this is an incredible, powerful story. And I couldn't get that out of the movie the first time I tried to watch it. So then my, my new appreciation of Cabaret came out of that version of it. So then when we did the show and I got to know, you know, like your views around the Alan coming and listening to that soundtrack and getting to know those songs a little bit differently. Yeah, like I fell in love with the musical in that way too, to the point that the next time I was in New York, Alan Cumming was doing the revival again yeah. at Studio 54. And I went and that was, you know, like, like you said, you got your ticket off tickets. I always pick two shows ahead of time that I'm going to buy tickets to that I don't miss. And, and there was a special occasion we went to, but, but yeah, like I wish I would have paid more money to get better seats. I was not at the tables in the Kit Kat Club, but it was, it was magical and waited at the stage door and got his, his signature. And I've got a picture of Alan coming at the stage door. So yeah, yeah. It, it really was a magical performance to watch that as well. And then I later was vocal director for it again when um, Summer Players did it. So, and that was a totally different version um, and a different vision again. And so I've had these different ways of coming to know this show. And it, this was one of the things where like Cabaret was in the list for this show that we're doing right now. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to sit through it. I'm going to watch it. So grabbed a copy of it and I watched it and I was actually pleasantly surprised with the movie. There was a few things that I felt made a little bit more sense than they made in the musical. And that was like the two ladies song, because all of a sudden, like that's the story of the two characters with that bisexual man that's with them. And then it's like, oh, that's where two ladies is coming from. For me, that made more of a connection. And even the part with the dancing with the gorilla made more sense. Cause you said that subplot with the old couple is gone, which it sort of is, but it's replaced with that guy that's, and I don't know their names in the new, in the movie version, but the guy that's coming for English lessons at the beginning, yeah falls in love with that Jewish lady and he's not allowed to to marry her because she's Jewish. And then yeah. they have the gorilla being Jewish. And so that worked too, because in the, in the musical version, it's the grocer that's Jewish. And so then to have the gorilla being female and Jewish is a little bit of a stretch. So there's a few things that I can see how they came to happen. And the fact that every single one of the songs was at the cabaret, I thought was really meaningful, just the way that they were able to explain express the feelings and the thoughts of the characters through music at this cabaret. It just really made a lot of sense to me when I watched the movie of it. I do prefer the musical still. I mean, if I had to pick, obviously I would still prefer the musical. I've never been a fan of Liza Minnelli, but I, I get it when I watch her in this movie. I like Joel Grey as an actor. I prefer Alan Cumming in this role, but I get what he was trying to do here. And as much as I didn't like it at first, the movie as I watched it, I I was just like okay this makes sense now that I'm so connected with the story and I know the ins and outs of the plot so much better and so I don't know like maybe it doesn't stand up as well on its own but I was I was able to get into the movie this time and I was able to really enjoy it I don't find you know the singing isn't always great and the cinematography is old at times it's not necessarily a movie that will stand up for a long time but it was edgy it was gritty and it was important and and I like it now, I think, as a piece of history more than as something that I really want to go back and watch again and again. Yeah, I think it was, again, coming out of the late 60s, early 70s, when they could get away with more in cinema. At West Side Story, a lot of the lyrics got changed for the censors. And 10 years later, 
Cabaret was able to deal with some stuff that wasn't being dealt with in cinema uh, previously. So I get that. I, I've always been thrown off, though, like you, you mentioned, how they, they changed the older couple to this younger couple. The, the guy who gets English lessons from Cliff in the musical is is really a villain. Like he, he is using these English lessons so that he can help the Nazi party start to take over. And so switching that character into somebody who's kind of a victim as opposed to one of the the people where we start to see Berlin change and become more pro-Nazi, that threw me off when, when I watched the movie. Uh, and I just, I, for me, I don't find that other story as compelling. It's fine. And maybe the older couple is a little bit too too cutesy and the, like the pineapple song and all that. But somehow, I mean, I had Ron Rifkin played that character on, on Broadway. He was a, a very talented character actor. And I, I just really enjoyed that on stage and I enjoyed incorporating it into our production. And maybe this is like a, a tribute to Cabaret that you basically described like five different approaches to this story that yeah. can you know, Fosse had his and then all of the community and high school productions have their own way of doing it. I will defend Liza Minnelli in, in some ways. I, I, again, I feel like she's somewhat miscast for my vision of what Sally Bowles should be. And I thought uh, Natasha Richardson and a generation later and like some, did you have Emma Stone? No, the, we had Michelle Wright. Oh yeah. Mich or Williams. Was it Michelle Williams? Maybe. <laughs> Michelle Williams. Yeah, that's right. She was in there. Emma Stone's played that role too. I, I could see any of them being a better fit than, than Liza Minnelli. But Liza Minnelli is very good in most of like the, the performance numbers. Yeah. Fine. And maybe this time, I think she does quite a nice job of that song, which I always think is one of the key songs to Sally Bowles. Yeah, story. I liked her in that song. And I felt like it had a different purpose to it than it does in the musical. So it's like in terms of this version of the show, in terms of this movie, I think she was good for it. But in terms of your vision of the musical and the way the musical is portrayed now, she wouldn't be a good fit for the musical version. And maybe my... <laughs> Who, who am I to have the vision, which is the ultimate vision of Cabaret? I mean, you know, don't think of myself as an arrogant person, but uh, so to question Bob Fosse, I don't think that's my my right or my business. And so I'm, I'm happy because I, I thought it might be quite painful for you to have to watch this. And I thought this might be, so I'm glad that you ended up having a better time with it than I did <laughs> as it happened. So this is like of, of the musicals we're talking about, obviously Cabaret is my favorite, but as far as the movies go, I'm not an enormous fan of this movie and I feel like again with history and the acclaim that some of these have had I feel like I should be more excited about the first three movies that we've been talking about but I'm kind of very much in the middle here and this last time again it, like any maybe I'll revisit it again and I'll be in a better mood but I was super critical not having a whole lot of fun with this version mm -hmm. of, of Cabaret this this last time. Fun fact again we'll be talking about another performance in a moment here there are only two people that have won Academy Awards when their entire performance was through singing and no dialogue spoken and Joel Gray was the first okay. person. Yeah because his entire performance is on stage at the Kit Kat Club singing and dancing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I think the MC is another character that each actor can find their own version or their own way to do it. And just my preferences with Alan Cumming, but I know Alan Cumming has paid a lot of respect to Joel Gray. Joel Gray was in the audience for one of the performances and was brought up during the intermission show and they sang something together, which is apparently like this really magical moment. There's plenty of respect between yeah. two generations of that role, but I, I think those are the two men who will be remembered for, for that. But it was almost probably wise 
surprised that Cumming came up with his own interpretation. How much of it was the direction? I don't know. Uh, well, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think the direction with Sam Mendes, but I, again, they with professional actors, they are allowed to kind of approach things their own way unless it goes really, unless it becomes a problem for the overall vision for the production. But I, I think the way Sam Mendes works, he would let the actor do the actor's job and he does the okay. job of directing. So yeah, anyway, uh, yeah. So I, again, I think people should see Cabaret and judge for themselves. It's not a thumbs down for me, but it's just, I have a lot of baggage connected to this. <laughs> it's not the musical. <laughs> it's maybe a little bit, actually, some people who maybe don't like musicals might get behind this one more. I reviewed in the last musical-based episode, Little Shop of Horrors. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one that appeals to people who maybe aren't fans of, of musicals, but could get behind that as, as kind of this fun entertainment or something. I'm not sure Cadbury's a fun entertainment. No. Now, the thing I will say, you mentioned the cinematography. I had one more defense of it. We start off with this really interesting shot using mirrors on the MC. And when we end, we have the MC... And then we're we're taking a look at at the shot with the mirrors, and we you know it's tough to see the reflection of what's going on in the Kit Kat Club, and we're left this with this kind of this one image, and we're seeing Nazis in the club. I think it's a very effective shot. I mean, it, yeah. Bob Fosse also won Best Director over Francis Ford Coppola for this movie. Like one Best Supporting Actor, Best Actress, I won Best Director, several Tech Awards as well, but didn't win Best Picture. It was really between those two films. When I see some shots like that, I kind of understand from a technical point of view why they really wanted to celebrate cabaret and i think it's it's a good movie i just i, I wish i loved it as much as other people did but i'm <laughs> glad that you were able to sort of separate your experiences with all these musical versions and stage versions and the experience of seeing the movie into the woods without delay but careful not to lose the way into the woods who knows what may be lurking on the journey into the woods to get the thing that makes it worth the journeying into the woods I ended up, I don't remember quite how, but I ended up with a DVD copy of the original cast of Into the Woods. And it was a stage um, performance, American Playhouse. They do this a lot with Broadway shows. They'll have a film version of it. And I've watched it several times and I, I quite enjoy it. I love Into the Woods, the musical. This is another one I've, much like West Side Story, I've tried over the years to do as the director. First act, it's just a fractured fairy tale, which we've seen several times before, yeah. that ends in happily ever after, and there's no point to it whatsoever. Into the Woods, as much as Disney picked it up and did a film version of it, and I, it's better than I thought, because I had, again, I had my arms crossed going to this thing, and okay, there's no way, like I, I had heard some rumors that they were changing it so it wouldn't depress people, as much and they didn't really they changed a, a couple things but it was fine it wasn't fantastic but it's a very very dark musical by Stephen Sondheim about how the mistakes of fathers can then come down and haunt the next generation and it takes the fairy tale as an allegory for life and does it very effectively and without the second act when after the happily ever after when the reality hits home 
the point of it is completely and totally lost. So it centers around several different characters that you would recognize from fairy tales, but in particular focuses on a baker and his wife. They are unable to have their own child and they really want their child. And then they encounter this witch. And this witch has been hard done by by the father of the baker and has put this curse on that on the family. But if if this baker is able to get these three items to the witch, then she'll undo the curse so that they can have a child. And the baker has to go into the woods. And his wife wants to help him out. And he says, no, it's too dangerous. You have to stay back. You have to stay back. And that's part of the journey he goes on. And we encounter Cinderella. We encounter Little Red Riding Hood. We encounter Jack in the Beanstalk. We encounter Giants and several other characters. There are, there are of course, if you do the full thing, appearances by Snow White and uh, Sleeping Beauty, uh, Briar Rose and like all, all of those figures in there and it's really nice to have this particular version captured on DVD even though it is a film play so the production quality is not as strong as if you were to see it live or if you were to see the Disney film version but you can kind of see the charm of the original cast you can hear the audience enjoying the humor some of the humor is a lot darker sometimes kind of sexual in nature which you don't necessarily get from just reading the script or just viewing a, a film version of it as much. And I like the cast a lot. Obviously, Bernadette Peters is the most famous person from the show. She played the witch and she has a number which not just anybody can do at the beginning when she's giving the backstory of what the baker's father did to her. And there's a point where she actually has to rap, which yeah. would have been very unusual in the late 80s for a, for a Broadway musical. The breath control, everything in there. Her singing is great. The character is great. She brings a lot of humor to it. But there's several other really good acting performances mixed in with those who, who could dance and who could act as well. Anna uh, Gleason played the Baker's yeah. she and, and she won the Tony Award. She has some just amazing songs, but the acting behind the songs, it yeah. all works well, well together. But her interactions with the Baker, but I quite like the actor who plays the Baker, whose name is not in front of me at the moment, unfortunately. He fits a role really well. I like almost everybody in the cast except for one key character i don't know if you agree or disagree with me on this the little red riding hood performance yeah, yeah she's seems a little bit like you know out to the audience a bit she seems to think that what she's saying is funnier than it actually is and there's just a kind of a, a strangeness there i think she has to seem like this sweet little girl who's also incredibly manipulative so like almost like a disney child star or something like that or a child actor who's like looks sweet on the outside but is really a horrible person inside and i think she was a little bit too aware of what she's doing and that comes across especially when it comes to this warrior princess later on so the, there's a great message in that character that she's not just some helpless little girl to be rescued yeah. by you know by the hunter but yeah if that's the only performance that distracts me that's that's fine the princes are hilarious with their number and like the comedy works really well they're all just like these superficial goons and we get that more in the second act and how superficial they are as like supposedly the happily ever after does not turn out that way because they're they're cheaters and they're jerks <laughs> but i like because one of the actors one of the princes also plays the wolf yeah and plays in very very creepy manner and there's a whole message about like the 1980s like don't talk to strangers <laughs> 
a bit of a, a quasi pedophile quality yep. to that and very intentional and that's what i'm talking about it has to be super dark even in that first act for the whole message that sondheim is going for to be successful and if you do it as just fairy tales and very like all sweet you yeah. really do a disservice to, to the message of of it i really really like this i recognize the production quality of it isn't as good but if i want to see the version of into the woods that i would like to have happen i watch this one more than i would watch the disney one but this is the <laughs> the woods that is mine into the woods if you know yeah. what it seems to be a, a theme here i have i i'm the one who gets to decide what is the the proper version of these musicals <laughs> Positive review for me, but yeah, what do you think? It's funny that you say like, you know, like this is much darker Sondheim. I came, like I just, I've come off doing this show fairly recently, but the show I did previous to this was Sondheim Sweeney Todd. So coming off Sweeney Todd into Into the Woods was like, oh, isn't this nice and, and, and yeah. bright and fun? Yes, um, and I agree. actually the music is a lot easier than Sweeney Todd as well. So yes. it's it's a little bit brighter, easier uh, Sondheim to get into than Sweeney Todd. Um, I love Into the Woods and my first interaction with it was actually hearing the songs being sung individually at different things and being curious about them getting the soundtrack and falling in love with the soundtrack and then finding out this version of the stage play existed, buying that and falling in love with the musical that way, but not really watching it a ton. Then when it came out in theaters, we went the day it opened. It was like a boxing, well, I think it opened on Christmas. We went on boxing day with my family and I was like, okay, now see Seeing it on the big screen, I really understood what was going on, even though there was a few things that were different and able to understand some of the lyrics a little bit more clearly, just because sound production and stuff compared to a taped version of a Broadway show. So I, I did enjoy the movie part of it, and Agony was hilarious in the movie. Yes, it is. But yeah, there's there's some changes, like Rapunzel doesn't die in the movie version. Yeah, so there's a few things like that. Like I do still prefer the musical version of it, the one yes. that we're reviewing today. And I do love all of the characters all of the actors too I did have an issue with with Little Red as well and I think when I did this with Summer Players I played Jack's mother we had two different Little Reds playing and both of them I felt captured you know that that piece of innocence at the beginning but with the, the self-centeredness of a child and of a teenager they captured that and they were endearing in the end whereas in in this version Broadway version I didn't really love Little Red at the end I didn't really care about her story but in our version of it I did so she was she was really sweet it's awful if if she had died I would actually have not been that yeah if it we're killing off so many of these characters why not but yeah. she's one of the survivors so <laughs> <laughs> the music in the show is so touching and yeah. the song that the, the mysterious man sings with the baker at the end of the show just breaks my heart every night and mm -hmm. it's just it's so beautiful and the, the comedy mixed in with the seriousness of this is amazing and yeah it's it really is a great show and it's a show that I love it and I will listen to the soundtrack still even though I just did the show and I'm not sick of it it's not necessarily a movie well movie in quotation marks um, that I'm going to go back to and watch you know it's like oh what do I want to watch today I'm not necessarily going to pull Into the Woods out in that sense yeah. but I still have a really fond place for it and that version of it and there yeah. were four items by the way that they go into the woods to get I have a sweater that has oh, three, three, four. <laughs> the cow the cake yes 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 not three yeah no. <laughs>
Yeah, it, it was a while ago that I watched it, to be honest. I, so as I said, I'm a little bit shaky on some of the, the details. I like, you know, I guess it's flashy, the witch character, but yep. I, this is one of the rare things that's said in the world of the fairy tale where they give the witch three dimensions. And her tragedy throughout i mean like there's a reason that she is the way that she is yeah. and like, it sounds really kind of upbeat and clever and all that but if you actually pay attention to the lyrics and i think they change this probably for the disney one but uh he was robbing me raping me yeah. like those lines are, are in there so in many ways she she has had to fight and deal with this difficulty and that's why she is the way that she is getting back at the world but the only the only thing that like we get the humanity of her through rapunzel yeah and then once again in the proper version of this that's taken away from her and that anger comes back again so there's a lot of there's points where you feel sorry for the witch there's points where you <laughs> like what she does but then you kind of understand that nobody is all good and nobody is all bad in this and like the more simplistic versions of fairy tales have okay these are the heroes and these are the villains villains are all bad and the heroes are all good no like the prince charming again they're despicable people they're charming yeah. they're charming because they're so stupid and arrogant and goofy in this but what they do is absolutely awful like when you if you break it down and put a, yeah. like a real life context on, on this the baker is arrogant and he is stubborn and he won't bring his wife in until he's completely screwed everything up and then realizes oh yeah it's not just a about me like we all would work together to make this happen the baker's wife though i mean she like she cheats on the baker and then shortly after that you she know, died. yeah <laughs> dies. she gets killed by the giant and it's a the big tragedy for the baker and he doesn't necessarily know what she did because she was obsessed with the fantasy of the, the prince charming who was kind of a yeah charming but turned out to be kind of a love him and leave him type of person these are all really interesting characters to me and yeah. all kinds of issues that a typical to me a typical Broadway show certainly one that's set with princesses and princes does not come up with so probably my love of the musical and I would say of the ones that we're talking about Cabaret would be first but Into the Woods would be second for how much I, I enjoy them and maybe my love of it will make up for the fact that this is a yep. theater stage production of it so you'll, you'll see sort of the effects that they used on stage but not the same as actually being there watching the show in person and I've had the great pleasure of seeing some productions of it and and it does work better live more than as a movie i think in either version it's hidden what is required for sets and so it really is more about the relationships between the characters and so you don't need a big flashy set for this one which is part of it there is a song that's not in this version of it that's in the actual script it's optional but it's a song between the witch and rapunzel and it's really touching and it goes to what you were saying about the witch and her character and, and being able to to sympathize with her so there is a song missing that that is important too recommend if you get a chance to see into the woods certainly live on stage take that opportunity make sure it's the two act full <laughs> three hour ish whatever version of it but it is is well worth it but i wouldn't say that this is for little kids i think it would be a mistake to see the full thing and bring little kids to see it i guess if you're take little kids for some reason even though there's there's other things you could probably take them to but probably that junior show would be fine to take them to and they would get something <laughs> out of it. but it's just again i'm kind of opposed to those 
junior shows. I get the purpose of the junior shows. And as an elementary school teacher and yes. director, I can yeah. totally appreciate them. This isn't one that I appreciate. No, I, I think <laughs> there are other junior shows you could put on for yeah. elementary school that would be a, a better and a little bit more true to the story, I suppose. So yeah. anything else you'd like to say about Into the Woods original Broadway cast is what I'm calling <laughs> this one as opposed to the Into the Woods film version from a few years ago? I guess my, my last point with this show is that this show has a lot of roles for females that are really strong roles. Yes. We have a lot of musicals out there, like even Sweeney Todd. There are very few female parts in that mm -hmm. show. I mean, yes, Mrs. Lovett has Great. a huge role, but in this show, we have The Witch, we have Rapunzel, we have Cinderella, we have Jack's mother, we have The Baker's Wife, we have Little Red. Like, there's such an opportunity for women to have roles and to be showcased in this show, where we don't get that in a lot of other ones. And so that's that's one thing I really appreciate about the show, too. Again, I wouldn't dissuade you from seeing this, but I think it would be more of a, if you are an enormous fan of the musical, you may want to see what the original cast did, more than just watching it on its own. I'm not sure that this would be the gateway to bring a big Into the Woods fan. I think your example of listening to the soundtrack first yeah. and then out more information is has been kind of typical. When I was in high school, it was a pretty new show. It wasn't as old as yeah. you know, West Story or something like that or Cabaret, but I think it's, it's a great show. I dreamed a dream in time gone by When hope was high, life worth living I dreamed that love would never die I dreamed that God would be forgiving that trip in 1999 my first time to New York I went with my aunt but she only had kind of one day where she could be in Manhattan she was there on, on business and so on that day we we wanted to check out a Broadway musical went to tickets and there was a as, as there regularly was a production of Les Miserables so that was the very first Broadway musical I saw I remember being quite impressed with like the the production of it and the rotating stage and the cannons and all of that and I do remember there was one actor in there who I I'm, I'm not sure but the name is now that really kind of kind of blew me away impressed me it was somebody who had, had some connections to being on Sesame Street or something I remember reading that in the bio I don't know why I remember that but that's pretty much what I remember about it and it's 
it's one that is like some people say it's their favorite musical. I've been a little bit more, I guess, lukewarm on it as as a show. I really like the rather depressing novel Jean Valjean by Victor Hugo. But I think when it came to this film version, there was a lot of excitement about it. And I saw it and there were some things which I thought were amazing and some things that I kind of expected different things from, I guess. And so I was, again, I feel like in all of these reviews, I'm a little bit mixed. Oddly enough, watching this and I have it on Blu-ray and watching it this time, just the whole production of it looked really, really good. And I had this different appreciation, even better than when I saw it in theaters and i had recently listened to like uh, one of my friends do a on his podcast do a review where he he just ripped this apart and said it was awful he wanted it over in 20 minutes and you know he had a miserable experience you know <laughs> but I, I was surprised how much in, because there are the other musicals i've talked about i on the whole i like more i think i probably like Les miserable i hate to say it more than sound of music is a musical but i like the other three way more than than Les miserable this particular film version worked for me a little bit more this time yet you're gonna be hearing me be very critical of several different acting performances the tom Hooper, he's had an interesting go of it he came out of nowhere with the king's speech and he actually won best director over david fincher for the social network who had won virtually every other prize leading up to the academy awards but the king's speech had a which is a very good film had this wave of success his net this was his follow-up project with les miserables and he came up with the idea, which is, you know, I don't think it was the first time that this has happened, but on this grand a scale, to actually have the actors sing live as they're being filmed. And the earpieces in, and then the piano had to follow with their voices. And it was a very kind of unique way of shooting a movie musical. Got a Best Picture nomination, won one award, but it wasn't overly as successful as the King's Speech, let's say. His most recent effort using the same technique, I believe, was the musical version of Cats, which had, again, I haven't seen it yet, but had kind of a laughing stock type of movie, but then has turned itself into a little bit of a cult film where apparently college students like to get high and then go to screenings of Cats and would have this whole other type of experience watching it. It was so bad, it's good, nice for them. But it was Razzie nominations and it was just kind of like the downfall of this particular director. So, so Les Miserables is somewhere in the middle, but I think it looked good, it sounded good, and I got what I kind of wanted out of the story. One of the problems I kind of have that's kind of key to the book with Les Miserables, it's not the film's problem, but in the musical, it's instead of seeing when Jean Valjean steals the bread for his family, that's described through song lyrics instead. So we just kind of see him as a prisoner from the beginning. We don't see the reason he became a prisoner. And I, I kind of would like that scene in there somewhere before we get into his his time in prison and starting off with Jean Valjean and Javert and their conflict which will become an obsession for the entire piece. Hugh Jackman got an Oscar nomination for this has had success on Broadway he can sing he can dance I'm not quite sure why I'm so lukewarm on his performance as Jean Valjean I don't not like it but he's fine he centers it it's alright but I failed to see what the spectacular moment was other than how well he's able to sing and emote at the same time and maybe it's just I, I kind of knew he had that in his range already so maybe that's why I wasn't as blown away by it as, as, as other people I am a defender and maybe I'm gonna get <laughs> Oh, no, you I'm a defender of Russell Rowe as Javert. 
Oh my God. I know that he is not a great singer, but I liked his acting and his approach to the character and his obsession. And there's something really kind of, whereas what I was talking about earlier, where they would have brought somebody, because they have this movie star in this role, they would have brought somebody else in to dub all of his singing. And I like the fact that they were willing to go that real and they were going to go with the acting and the singing. And so they could feel everything in that particular moment. I don't hate his performance. A lot of people do. Like he was the most criticized of anybody. I liked the younger version of Cosette, but Amanda Seyfried as the older version, and she just got an Academy Award nomination for Mank, and I'm very happy for her. And she is okay in some movie musicals. I kind of liked her in Mamma Mia, her and Meryl Streep. I didn't like much else about the movie version of Mamma Mia, but she is just so bland, and I don't care about her, and I don't care about any of the tragedies or any of the things that happened to her. She just really, whereas that little girl I felt so sorry for, and if somehow they had that little girl, and they had somebody that could evoke that same kind of sympathy I might have gone along there but in trouble with her as much as I am thrilled to see Sasha Baron Cohen and Helena Bonham Carter one of the great actors of all time together in a movie and we did see them in Sweeney Todd Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd I felt that they were performing and acting in a completely different movie it was like some sort of an outtakes from a Tim Burton movie musical that was happening people laughed and had some fun with that but that part felt completely wrong to me and I don't know if it was necessarily miscasting because they could both sing they could both do the job but they would distract me every time they were in the movie they would distract me and they certainly in the early scenes and later and never felt they were as evil or as nasty as they could have been you know I was having trouble taking them seriously Eddie Redmayne I like Eddie Redmayne I mean I've supported him I'm glad that he's an Academy Award winner now but he's just so bland and I don't understand why we're supposed to be moved like that one of the most important songs in Les Miserables is his song and it is spoilers I didn't really care when he died in, in the least I, I, and it's not what I'm supposed to be feeling at that particular uh, moment there is somebody I do want to mention though Samantha Barks I loved her epony I loved her, her performance her acting her singing she is one of the few people that I think was actually in a production of Les Miserables and she got pretty much no attention for this movie at all when a bunch of other people got attention i think there could have been more cause actually controversially for to nominate her than hugh jackman and that then leads us to anne hathaway i love her performance and she makes the first act of the film so powerful and so strong that when she dies very early on that's a loss to the entire film and it took me pretty much until samantha bark shows up late in the film to really kind of feel as much for this as I would have liked to but it's like probably a two hour gap between when the two show up there it, it's a long musical it's, I think they're very faithful to Les Miserables but I'm guessing that part of your problem is going to be some of the casting choices as well but I was just amazed how much I enjoyed it last time and how much I got into the story more than any other time that I've watched the musical version of Les Miserables and yet I have all of these criticisms of the cast and casting choices yet I, I like the live singing I like that the actors are using their own voice
voices. It felt a little bit more authentic, a little bit more real. Uh, Hooper got a little bit criticized for having too many close-up shots, but his argument was that he was able to get to the emotion of what the characters were going through a little bit more effectively through that extreme close-up that he used. He uses a lot with Hugh Jackman in particular. But I think on the strength of two performances, the music is so good, and like the whole vision and the whole look of it, it's a strong, strong recommendation for Les Miserables. But I certainly understand people that have problems with it. Are you... <laughs> Have the problems with Les Miserables 2012. <laughs> I have problems with Les Miserables yeah, 2012. This is, one, this is the one we're going to be, and it's not the one I predicted we would be in different spots on, by the way. <laughs> so my first introduction to this show was my very first, like, professional musical in London. And so I saw this in London and I've seen it in New York. <laughs> I've seen the fireside version. And so I went to this and I mean, I, I, it was my birthday and I was very excited to be there and I wept through most of the show. I mean, it really did affect me the first time I watched it. Okay. Um, going back and watching it since then, I can't get through it. Uh, it doesn't hold my attention. And my and yes, Javert is horrible in the show, which I agree with most people. His singing is horrible in the show. So I, I won't talk about his acting, it's okay. But his singing is bad. The problem with this show as a movie is that this show is completely sung. This show is meant to showcase the voices and the music. And so watching Les Miserables as the 25th anniversary version where the characters are standing in costume at a microphone singing is way more powerful than watching this movie version. The singers that are in that 25th anniversary version are the people that have done these shows on Broadway and Javert's voice is like butter. It is beautiful. So much of what he's doing is that talk singing stuff, which Russell Crowe does not, he's not not able to emote through his singing and he's not able to get the like there still has to be notes through there it still has to be musical and it's not and so that's a huge problem with it and Hugh Jackman is fine but he's not the powerful mm -hmm. performer that you get from that 25th anniversary version so I'm gonna watch anything it's gonna be that one because this show is about the music it has to be because it is completely sung. I liked Anne Hathaway's performance. I liked Eponine's performance. And with like, I, I totally agree. I didn't like Helena Bonham Carter in this, but I also didn't like her in Sweeney Todd. So I have, I have issues with her. I well. love her in Sweeney Todd. So that's. I, I don't, but anyway, like I didn't like Sasha Baron Cohen in those, in that role either. So there was, there was some problems I had with specific people, but it just, it just doesn't hold up. This show needs to be seen live. You need to see people who are singers in this show, not actors who can sing. I get why they do that. I appreciate they let the people sing. Uh, sorry for that pun. But they're letting, you know, like they're letting the actors sing. But it's not enough. It's not good enough in this case. This show has to, it has to be sung well to be worthwhile. And I don't think it's worthwhile holding up. It's it's not going to last. There's been so many versions of it, like you said. There's no reason for it. This show needs to be live on stage. There's never going to be a musical movie version that is going to hold up for this as a, like, instead of a stage version maybe if you did a recording with the broadway actors or you know i don't know maybe yeah it's just not good enough <laughs> in my opinion yeah. 
And we will be on different places on this one, and that's fine. But I, I take your points for sure. Maybe if I had seen, I, I, I saw like one number from the 25th anniversary film. I think if I had watched the whole thing, then I might be having the problems that you're having with this because my experience is this and then several non-musical versions of Les Miserables or Jean Valjean, which again, worked for me. There's there's a, a film version of this with Liam Neeson playing Jean Valjean and Jeffrey Rush playing Javert, which isn't musical, but it's, it's quite effective. And I think if Russell Crowe was given the chance to just act the role, then maybe he would have been more successful. But yet, to me, the, the guts and at the Academy Awards that he had after he'd been ripped apart by everybody, that the entire cast went out and, and sang. And he had a, a, a brief solo, which he sang live right there after everybody had criticized his performance. So that told me a little bit about Crowe. Crowe's a controversial figure. He is no doubt a great actor. I kind of, maybe I understand as a not singer who loves to find a great role and, and, and to play it, but would not be able to carry vocally that's that's maybe why i'm a little bit kinder to him and a little bit harder on some others who i know are more naturally musical performers seafried can like i mean she's in the first yeah. shot of mama mia and i that performance won me over five seconds into mama mia so why is it that i just could care less about her in this particular version but it's funny to me though that i have seen it on the stage in new york and i really just it's kind of the superficial things i remember about it i don't remember being all that enamored with the story or the show even though I, I I love the novel and I got more out of this film version somehow than the Broadway production I saw in, in 1999 it, I anyway it's just a personal mystery to me I think you're right I think I should be enjoying the stage production of this way way more than I have and I probably should be super critical of this but it, it was kind of a, in the middle I feel like because it was such a her Herculean effort I talked about about Chicago and it took forever for that to come to the screen and I think this particular version of Les Miserables it took they had so many people attached to this to play Jean Valjean if you looked at the list you'd be like really some of those people like you're you're having some trouble with some of the casting for this one but there are people who would you know are, are certainly not Hugh Jackman as far as uh, vocal and musical ability yeah he's missing some power some gravitas I guess in there they do that with makeup and he lost all that weight and he looks gaunt at the beginning and he looks miserable like miserable <laughs> but towards the end so the looks everything should be there but I, I still I just didn't couldn't completely go along with that I guess and it was kind of in the middle performance I mean it, it centers everything but it's it's not as interesting as some of the side characters so a little bit of a mix where I'd probably be a little bit more upset is Anne Hathaway I'm not a huge Anne Hathaway fan by the way some people love her I, I didn't like the Princess Diaries movies I didn't I haven't liked a lot of the choices that she's made mm -hmm. uh, she's the odd interesting one here or there but this one is like to me the film performance where she showed everything that she could do really I don't know how you do what she does in that short period of time she's really having her head shaved in that that scene yeah. that, that wasn't a wig or a special effect or anything I guess her personal hairdresser they dressed him up in, they, they put him in a dress to be one of the women who's who's shaving her head but 
it's just like all out there, give it her all type of performance. And I guess it was eight hours to shoot that, even though they said it was in one take. But I think they did it over several times, but it was a one take shot, that entire song. And again, that I'm glad she was rewarded for it. But I, maybe you can explain to me why there would be some people in the music community that weren't thrilled unless they just don't like Anne Hathaway herself. And maybe that's what it was about. I don't know. Um, I'd have to watch it again to, to think about it as like from the musical perspective. She was really, I just, I remember her being very emotional during that performance, very weepy and kind of like snotty and everything. And, and so it, like she emoted really well through it. It's not necessarily like beautifully sung, but it's not supposed to be. And so I was okay with that and I was okay with her performance. But yeah, I mean, I can see why people would want a little bit more put together vocal at the same time. But if the reality of the situation, it doesn't make sense. This is my problem sometimes with Hugh Jackman. He looks like a stiff wind is going to like knock him over and break him in half. And he's getting these powerful notes out of I don't know where I'm like I'm 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 having trouble buying that this man in this condition can get can get to that point but yeah yeah it would satisfy the notes in the kind of the more operatic element of of Les Miserables anyway Anne Hathaway was the second person after Joel Grey to have a totally sung performance and win the Academy Award so yeah. they are the only two there's some people who have had roles where they they didn't speak that have won but not all singing so anyway I think we're, this is going to be a very very interesting as we move into the points thing here uh, how we do it because some of my esteem for some of the movies really went down but this is one that went up big time for me and I I don't know I guess I was in the right mood for Les Miserables like I was I was <laughs> it to be an ordeal to try to get through like like you had but it, it was great I was from beginning to end I was totally into it and I enjoyed it seeing it in theaters but not to the level of this last time I saw it yep. yeah and the first time I watched it in theater I really did enjoy it and I was like yeah like let's represent the musicals on stage like on theater this is great but it just it yeah it just doesn't hold up in terms of the musical power that's required for this show welcome bienvenue welcome Étranger, stranger, glücklich zu sehen, je suis enchanté. Happy to see you, bleib, reste, stay. Welcome, bienvenue, welcome, im Cabaret, au Cabaret, au Cabaret. Meine Damen und Herren, Mesdames et Messieurs, Ladies and gentlemen, good evening, bonsoir, good evening, wie geht's, comment ça va, do you feel good, yeah, I bet you do, ich bin euer Conferencia, je suis votre compère, I am your host, in Sarge, welcome, bienvenue, welcome, im cabaret, au cabaret, du cabaret. 
Chrissy Elliott, thank you so much for doing this. We've been talking about this show for a while, and I'm glad it's finally worked out. And I, you know, we, we, I don't think we really got into big arguments or dis- huge disagreements <laughs> <here> yet. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with the point. I'm curious. I think it's going to be one that's going to be less predictable than some other uh, shows I've done recently. So well, and and my opinions and my you know point weighting has changed over the past year too. Had we recorded this a year ago, I might when we first started talking about it, I might have weighed the things differently but this is where i'm at today so the day that we recorded is where we're at and sometimes i do these things and then two weeks later i'm like oh i was too hard on that one or i should have done something different (laughs) but really how can you get rid of any musical that's the real problem well i I, i've gotten rid of all kinds of movies there and a couple of them have been pretty tough so we'll we'll see what happens here going in order of the how we reviewed them we'll start off with west side story how many points did you give west side story i gave it 12 and the sound of music not the sound of mucus. I gave it 13. And Cabaret. Nine. And then Into the Woods, the original Broadway cast version. 11. And finally, Les Miserables, 2012. Five. Okay. I gave West Side Story 10. I'm very much in the middle on this one. Thought I'd be probably in the 15 range going into looking at these movies, but it it wasn't as great an experience as I'd had before with it, looking at it critically. Sound of Music, still very much in between. I also gave it 10 points. I want to love both of those, but I'm in the really light place right now. <laughs> Cabaret. I I have so much baggage and I don't think it's fair to the film, but either way, I, I gave it seven points only. This last time I didn't have a great time with it and I was trying to pick out the positives and there are positives in it. I like that there are different takes on this story. This one is not my favorite take on Cabaret. I gave eight points to Into the Woods. I kind of was back and forth on, on, on this one. It's not a full-on movie. I would have liked to see a full-on movie with the original Broadway cast. So the bells and whistles of Disney with the proper version of the story and I'm glad we were in agreement on Little Red Riding Hood. I wasn't quite sure how you felt. I don't know why. There's something about that actor I was distracted by and some of the choices she was making I, I didn't think were quite right for it. And then, and then we're our biggest our biggest difference. I gave a massive 15 points to Les Miserables. It's, it's really, really I had a much better time with it than any one of the other films this time around. So that leaves us in a real mix. Like everything is very very, very close with the points. Okay. Sound of Music, 24 points, got the most. So it okay. was by this, the best of, of the five we reviewed. Followed by West Side Story with 22. Okay. Third would go to Les Miserables with 20, mostly aided by my 15 points. <laughs> Then just barely in fourth place is Into the Woods, the Broadway version, 19 points. And the movie that had the lowest with 16 was my favorite musical of all of these. The 1972 version of Cabaret of a DVD with some bonus features on it. And it is the movie that has to leave my movie shelf and you get to decide what I do with it. I think it's okay to get rid of that one. I mean, uh, it was my second lowest as well. So I think that's okay. I think we should uh, reactivate that Facebook group, see if it's still there, and see if somebody from our cast wants it. Okay, I love that idea. I really hope you enjoyed this and that you would come back again and love to have you back on the the show sometime. I just also want to, just before we go, as usual, shout out a couple of podcasts. Rank and Review, Larry Parsons, Saskatoon-based podcast dealing with genre cinema. And then Kirk Fitzpatrick, regular uh, collaborator. He's been on four episodes of the Shelf Shedding movie show at this point. He 
and uh, some friends have a podcast, A Lifetime of Hallmark, where they take a Lifetime movie or a Hallmark movie and they do a very thorough but somewhat comedic and satirical analysis of those movies. As always, please continue to uh, be kind to each other, stay safe, and please support local artists, musical theater, and of course the movies. And thank you for listening. Bye bye.